Hello, everybody. This is your captain speaking. On a Thursday night in New York. What are we going to do? Well, I have a couple of things. I'm going to try to keep it as chilled out, even though the first thing of the two is a war report. Two articles I just loved so much. And I said, oh, you know, I'm going to read both of these and uh, and then we'll be on our way with another thing. I want to talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a movie discussion, maybe not a movie discussion primarily, but I'm going to use a story out of Florida that has everything to do with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, what is Ron DeSantis's anti anti drag war? That's what it's all about, you know. When um, the the normies out there who are just feeding from the trough, they say, "Oh man, there's a war against drag queens right now." No, oh man, poor, uh, all those poor gays down there in uh, in in Florida. Ron DeSantis says you can't say gay there now. No, it's not what's going on. That's that's it's not what's going on. But. Um, they start asking with all the anti-drag laws or the sentiment, the suspicion, the suspicion that it's been built up now from, you know, seeing what you can't unsee and realizing uh, there might be something very concerning going on. While they're wondering how far is that going to go, are people going to be able to go and see Mrs. Doubtfire down there or anything like that? So I, I want to talk about the movies, I want to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire especially. Because I have a lot of... I, I, this movie I have talked about with my friends over the years so much. It's hilarious, but uh, it's just the way it is. And I wanted to talk about that. And piggyback off of that to ask you a bigger question about how you have changed. In fact, I'm going to give you a, a preview of it right now so you can start thinking about this. And you'll see how it all connects. So you can get your calls ready. Because second half, I really want to take these calls. Are there any movies that you grew up loving? And I'm not talking about kids' films where, you know, you love Sesame Street when you're a child and you grow older and you realize, well, it was good for me then, but it, this, this, you know, puppets, I, I can't watch puppets anymore. I'm talking about a film like Mrs. Doubtfire that you liked, maybe even loved, and then you grew up and you said, you know, it, it still holds up, it's still funny, but I would be a little bit more apprehensive about showing this to my child than, than my parents were when I was introduced to it or when I first, you know, is anything that you look at differently. Do you start, do you start, are you like me? You start finding yourself relating to some villains in these movies a little bit more than the, the supposed heroes. So I, I want you to, to think of some examples where your allegiances to certain characters and plot lines have changed over the years. Not that you rejected the whole thing, the whole thing out of out of hand, but that you uh, you see the material differently, and you have different takes from it. Think about that, because I want your calls. It's a Thursday night. I want to start uh, chilling out a little bit more. Holy Thursday. And. Um, and yes, so that's what we have going on. I want to thank my wonderful sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com and Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. 
I mentioned this to you guys two nights ago, but I want to say it again, and I will keep throwing it out there. Tony and Melissa from Wise Wolf got in touch with me and said, Frank, it is official. We now carry goldbacks. And from all states, from all states that are that are uh, that they're being manufactured in, uh, they are carrying them. Not just Nevada. There's going to be Utah. There's a few others, and uh, he's got them all. So if you are looking at a really affordable, cool, practical way of buying some gold along with silver, because gold is very expensive if you're buying it by the ounce compared to silver, maybe that is the reason why uh, many of you have said. No thanks to gold. I'm just going to be chilling with these uh, these silver coins. Now it's a little bit better. Now it's a little bit better, especially with these gold backs. So I would uh, I would say inquire about them next time you call up Tony at Wise Wolf. All right. With that, I want to jump right into. Do I have any other any others announcements to make? I still haven't made any decisions on democracy in America. I know a few of you have already gone out and bought it. I know, and I own a copy. Um, I just did not know it was a separate volume, what I owned. But no, I don't have anything else to say. Tomorrow night should be good. I have a couple other threads and topics that we're going to do tomorrow night that I think will be uh, will be nice. Will be real nice for a Friday evening. So let's get on over into the grab bag, and I want to bring this up as I welcome you all, whether you're watching on Odyssey or Rockfin, Theta, Foxhole, Rumble. No calls right now, ladies and gentlemen. Please just enjoy the show. No calls. I see calls coming in for some reason. No calls. You will not get through. You're just going to wear out your thumbs. So... And also on to Twitch and DLive and YouTube. It's so great having you here with me tonight. So here's the first one. up. Yesterday, I wanted to talk about this just for a, uh, a little bit because I saw the original being being shared around, but it appeared on Zero Edge today, and I, I wanted to bring it up. Yesterday, April 5th, marked the 90th anniversary of the signing of the Executive Order 6102 by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. It was touted as a measure to stop gold hoarding, speaking of gold, but it was in reality an attempt to remove gold from the public hands. There you go. Under Executive Order of the President... Issue April 5th, 1933, all persons are required to deliver on or before May 1st, 1933, all gold coin, gold bullion, and gold certificates now owned by them to a Federal Reserve Bank branch or agency or any member bank of the Federal Reserve System. Many people after referred to EO 6102 as a gold confiscation order, but confiscation is probably not the best word for what happened in practice. In order, uh, the order required private citizens, partnership associations, and corporations to turn in all but small amounts of gold to the Federal Reserve in exchange for $20.67 per ounce. Oh my gosh. It's at like $2,000 an ounce right now. The executive order was one of the uh, the several steps Roosevelt took toward ending the gold standard in the U.S. With a dollar tied to gold, the Federal Reserve found it difficult to increase money supply during the Great Depression. It couldn't simply fire up the printing press as it can today. 
A Federal Reserve Act required all notes to have 40% gold backing, but the Fed was low on gold and up against the limit. By enticing the public to give up its gold, the Fed was able to boost its own gold holdings and create more dollars. See, they don't have to do that anymore. Now they just rob from uh, your future children and your children's children and all the income they're going to make. And then, uh, and that's all to pay back imaginary unpayable interest. Oh, it's all such a mess. But yesterday was an anniversary and I just wanted to bring that up. 1933 to 19 to 2023. Giving your gold. Here's something else. Supreme Court rules West Virginia transgender athletes can compete on female sports teams because they have no jurisdiction to do so. But hey, we live in a made up, made up, everything's just pretended right now. Supreme Court has ruled that transgender athletes in West Virginia can compete on female school sports teams in response to a challenge by the state to allow it to enforce a law that prohibits such athletes from doing so. The state should just ignore the the robed freaks from D.C. and get on with their lives. That's what they should do. Will they? I don't know. How much money could be withheld from West Virginia? There's a lot of poor people in West Virginia probably need the federal government even if they don't want to need the federal government. And this is where our autonomy and our ability to nullify the overreach of the feds completely goes away. And here's a, uh, here's a piece that I'll read for the next couple of minutes on the pre-show to end the pre-show. It's by Victor Davis Hanson again, published at American Greatness. It is called, hold on a second, there we go. Our French Revolution. We are in a Jacobin revolution of the sort that in 1793, 1794 nearly destroyed France and things are getting scary. The Democratic Party vanished sometime in 2020. It was absorbed by hard left ideologues. They were hell bent on radically altering or hijacking existing institutions to force radical equality of result agendas that otherwise do not earn majority support. The American people want affordable power and fuel and energy autonomy. They do not want a Green New Deal that results in dependence on the Middle East. And you heard that the, that because we're dependent on the, on the Middle East, uh, it, the, the prices are probably going to skyrocket since OPEC is cutting back on their production again. They want fiscal sobriety, not a permanent stagflationary economy marked by bank failures, soaring interest rates, crony capitalism, and subsidies for those who choose not to work. They know no country can exist without a border, much less while offering blank checks to foreign cartels that kill 100,000 Americans yearly. They demand realist deterrence abroad, not the current woke military whose erosion is spelling the end of American credibility and global stability. Racialists are eerily embracing discredited neo-Confederate notions of racial chauvinism, discrimination, segregation, and the old one-drop rule of racial obsession. They are turning America toward a balkanized war of all against all. To implement such an unpopular program, the new left must radically alter our institutions. So the Democrats, in quotes over there, periodically threaten to pack the courts and the filibuster, destroy the electoral college, and override the state's prerogatives to establish balloting laws. 
They deny the committee assignments of the House Minority Leader. They engage in stunts like tearing up the State of the Union on national television. With impunity, they mob the homes of Supreme Court justices to leverage their decisions. Oh, yeah, did you hear that uh, That the, the, the judge over here in New York has, has been receiving some death threats from people? So, of course, the media breathlessly report about how Donald Trump has mentioned several times that he thinks that the judge is partisan. Oh, and, and, and so I guess that means he's the inspiration. He's he's stoking violence. I wonder if the judge gags him now, uses all of these death threats to gag him, even though we have on the other side, they're giving out addresses. They're giving out the home addresses of Supreme Court justices and people are showing up some with murderous intent this revolution is run by elites and is a top-down operation university deans all but prompt students to disrupt in invited campus speakers district attorneys release violent arrested criminals without bail woke generals call their chinese counterparts to warn them against their own commander-in-chief white rage millie the Pentagon lectures the country on its supposed innate racism, even as the United States continues to lose wars abroad, abandon billions of dollars of equipment to terrorists, and allow the communist Chinese to surveil domestic military uh, military bases with complete impunity. Well, well, uh, thankfully for the uh, the the Biden handlers, they have come out today with a little bit of an explanation as to why everything was going wrong with the Afghanistan rollout. You see, it was always Joe Biden's intent to end that war, said the, the, the murderous John Kirby. It was always his intent to end that war, but the transition between Biden and Trump was so chaotic and the Trump administration just, they did not leave them with enough intel Intel. They didn't leave them with enough intel to be able to smoothly get out of Afghanistan. So you see, all the people died and those who are still left behind and the tens of billions of dollars of military equipment, cash, whatever the whatever the hell's out there, including a ready-to-go, ready-made, $2 trillion a year drug business that I, I do not believe is uh, is out of our control. All of that could have been avoided. If, if Donald Trump had just given them some intel on one thing or another. So it's all John, Donald Trump's fault. What do you know? What do you know? Breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, words change their meaning now. Words change their meanings. Racist now means don't dare object. White became the pejorative stereotype used by racists. Diversity means tired orthodoxy. Equity is a synonym for bias. Inclusion ensures exclusion. Institutions are no longer recognizable. The FBI as we knew it no longer exists. Well, we all we knew about the FBI was what we were given in those fluff, those uh, fluffy movies about how they're, they're solving the crime and saving the day. Three former FBI directors either lied under oath to federal investigators or pleaded amnesia in congressional testimonies. That's in just the last 10 years. Our highest former and national intelligence officers lied under oath to the Senate. The IRS is weaponized against political opponents of the Democrats. The Department of Justice is more likely to send the FBI after grammar school parents than mobs threatening the homes of Supreme Court justices. 
still to the thorough to thoroughly erase America are Jacobins must radically alter our customs and traditions. So under the cover of the COVID quarantines, election day was made irrelevant. In the new America, 70 percent, seven zero, did not vote on the designated day but fueled by third-party vote harvesting and relaxation of audits of non-election day ballots extended the vote over a period of several weeks. Incredible. And because they were able to do that, well, first of all, they were saying that because that wasn't allowed in the first place, it was voter suppression. Voter suppression. Not everybody can know when an election day is coming along and be able to Uh, go vote on a lunch break, take a half day, schedule a day off a year in advance, whatever the hell. No, 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 no. We're not adults. Don't you understand? Congress, 535, 535 diaper changers. We don't know how how to wipe our asses. That's why we elected Congress. We need people to literally help wipe our asses. People who are smarter than us, who know better. Like the Jacobins, names and dates had to be radically transformed. 1619 instead of 1776 is now America's birthday, and we are told it was a horrible one. Statues are toppled. Careers are trotskied. Biological males suddenly have hijacked women's sports, destroying the five decades of women's hard-won efforts to achieve equal treatment and respect in athletics. What triggered the collective madness in this Jacobin takeover? The left's perfect storm of the 120 days of riot, death, arson, and looting of 2020? The COVID pandemic? The disastrous two-year lockdown? The 2016 election of the outsider Donald Trump? All those catalysts and more. As the country collapses under the leftist nihilism, the revolution's last gasp is to destroy Donald Trump by empowering him. That is, the leftist legal vendetta is designed to win him just enough empathy to be nominated the Republican Party's presidential candidate, but then to keep on indicting, gagging, and hemorrhaging him legally until Election Day 2024. I can see that being the case. I was talking about what Judge Napolitano was, was discussing with Alex Jones recently on today's episode of uh, Taking It Back. Adel and I were were talking about just theories and I just said, hey, take a listen to what Judge Knapp had to say. I'll talk about it on the other end of this. Now America has three potential futures and two are bad. First, the Jacobins have two more years to finish what they started as the founder's dream descends into our worst nightmare. Second, The revolution has so warped our legal system, our voting on election day, and the FBI, the CIA, the Justice Department, and the IRS that even a despised, unpopular left will win elections. And then you have the third is that New York prosecutor Alan Bragg has jumped the shark. Perhaps he has. Perhaps he has jumped the shark. The conclusion is his pathetic prosecution is so patently incoherent, illiberal, and in spirit anti-American, that two-thirds of the country will soon conclude the center is not holding. The Jacobins' uh, the Jacobins' reign of terror is unsustainable, and so in 2024, the left will not be defeated, but so defeated that it is utterly discredited. The choice is ours. I like that third one. No, I like utterly defeated. So I like that third one. You know... To just conclude my own thoughts is that we always win in the end, no doubt. 
And it doesn't, and I'm not saying that, oh, well, you know, this time next year we should have won by now. I don't know when it's going to be. It may not even be in my lifetime. But eventually, you have to just be confident that truth and justice always wins out and it comes back around. It just does. So we either win now through our craftiness and our resolve and our intestinal fortitude and our ability to, uh, to speak reason to insanity. Is that possible? That's like reasoning with rabies, right? Or uh, they get exactly what they want and the world is destroyed because their ideas are terrible. And then eventually it comes right back around. So they're defeated one way or another. They, they don't know that they're suicidal. They think that they're noble and that they're enlightened. But um, so I would say just relax. And we have a nice little nice little show for you tonight. I hope that you're strapped in and having a good time already. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! like to just say thank you so much for showing up share the show the link far and wide if you're watching on youtube or rumble thumbs up give me a little thumbs up there push me to uh the finish line for the evening let's introduce ourselves to some new folks and maybe reintroduce ourselves to some old so thank if you want to send in some super chats because i would love to get your opinions on tonight's topics however i can get it through skype through, quite frankly, superchat.com, the Rumble rants especially. That's like the old days of the YouTube with everybody being able to rant like that so easily. So enjoy those. And then there's the foxhole. I think by tomorrow we should be having some really nice unveilings for you all with the website. And um, I'm hoping that we're on schedule. We'll see. But anyway, thank you guys. Thank you gals. I have a little something for you. This is a, a really great article by James Howard Kunstler. I read one of his before, and I think that this is a really great way of summarizing some stuff, because I want to go from how's the war going, a war report going on around the world, and then back down here, let's just talk a little bit of culture, because there's a, there's a little bit of a tug of war going on with that too. 
and I think that there's some good opportunity for some laughs and and uh, and then some audience reaction stuff. This is. Let me see. What do I have? One. Yeah. Okay. This is from Kunstler.com, and the blog is called "How's That War Going." So how's that war going, huh? This is what he says. Do you mean that war over in Ukraine or the U.S. government's war against its own people? Well, the first one, the Ukraine war, is mostly destroying Europe, though apparently the denizens of Germany, Holland et al., haven't figured that out yet. Europe's industrial economy is toast without affordable Russian natural gas. We turned off their pipeline for that. I love that. We turned off their pipeline. We sure did. We turned off their pipeline for that in September, and nobody in Europe objected. They just sucked it up and went back to smoking cigarettes at their cafe tables. You know, I love the imagery of that, the the European smoking cigarettes at cafe tables. I always wanted to do it in Europe. I have never smoked a cigarette in my life. I always wanted to do it in Europe. Little cup of coffee, whatever the hell. I might look like a tourist 100% I would stick out like a sore thumb but whatever that being said this is so true now I'm perhaps there are some people in Germany I would love to dig around because I I did not see it I'm sure that there are Germans who know exactly what happened how we sabotaged their their not only their national economy but we could have killed a lot of people if the weather were worse out there for the winter. And we still don't know. There could be still a ripple effect going on here. I know that we're supplementing a lot of the the gas that they're getting from Russia. The U.S. was very conveniently ready to start shipping out natural gas to them. Very convenient. But, um, But yeah, I wonder what Europeans... I know that we have German, especially German viewers out there. If there are any that are staying up late with us tonight, I would love to hear from you later on as well. Or email me. Do any of your friends, like, have they contemplated Nord Stream? Have they contemplated at all? I know that the media is is trying to quell all civilian populations out there by saying that it was Russia. And then when that became more and more absurd, the more people thought... For themselves then they started saying well it, it wasn't ukraine but it was a ukrainian friendly it was like pro-ukraine antifa scuba antifa antifa learned how to scuba dive and operate um very complex detonation systems so i i just wonder i've never inquired about the everyday europeans reaction and thoughts about Nord Stream, especially if you're German. So if you're in this audience right now, I'd love to hear from you by the end of the show. Super chat, call in, and maybe I'll peek into the emails. Just, I never do that. It's just too many things to watch, but I'll try. They just sucked it up and went back to smoking cigarettes at their cafe tables. A year or so from now, nobody in Europe will have enough money for a cappuccino or cigarettes. And maybe then they'll start asking the mental mollusks who run things there some questions. If they don't just leapfrog all that politeness and burn down the joint. 
The main thing about the Ukraine war is that the U.S. doesn't want it to end. You understand it is not about any uh, airy-fairy principles such as freedom for Ukraine. It's about antagonizing Russia no matter how many dead Ukrainians it takes because U.S. officials developed a delusional psychosis about Russia after years of using it to mind-fuck American citizens and our folks in charge have to justify that antagonism by pretending we have vested interests in Ukraine, which we don't, by the way. So far, everything we've done to promote the conflict has backfired on Western civilization. Most of the rest of the world recognizes that the U.S. has gone insane, and they are taking careful steps to decouple from us, mainly to stop using our money for international trade. Really, do you want to have anything to do with a crazy person? No, you'd put just as much distance as possible between you and this lunatic and stop even trying to communicate. If the world stops using the dollar in trade, the dollar will lose value, and so will the trillions in U.S. bond paper held by other countries, which said countries will seek to unload as quickly as possible. Can you spell sovereign debt crisis? Look out below. Americans apparently are not emotionally exercised over the Ukraine war because we don't have any troops coming home from there in body bags, not yet at least. Many have probably noticed that we've blown over $100 billion on the project, and along with the aforementioned debt crisis, that might just plant a seed of resentment as prices in the supermarkets and at the gas pumps shoot up ever more, and the mass job layoffs surge, and the repo man comes a-knocking and more banks wobble. Of course, our Ukraine project, based on the mind game, why don't you and him fight? would end pretty suddenly. If, as rumored, Ukraine runs out of cannon fodder, that means live bodies to throw to the front lines, and artillery shells despite all of our assistance, and then what? You're left with Joe Biden, and that's in quotations because it's really not him. Joe Biden looking like history's all-time champion loser, and watch out in the Taiwan Strait where the U.S. Pacific Fleet could be transformed into the world's largest set of floating ashtrays. Now, there's more to that, too. I wanted to jump, uh, put this out here. Kenikoa the Great put this out not too long ago. A nice little um, collection of headlines. Joe Biden's proxy war against Russia continues to push Saudi Arabia into a deeper alliance with China and Russia over the last few months especially. Listen to some of these headlines. Saudi Arabia joined Shanghai Cooperation Organization led by China, Russia, India, and other nations. Saudi Arabia cut oil production against U.S. wishes in coordination with Russia and OPEC. Saudi Arabia signed historic diplomacy deals with Iran and Syria, brokered by China and Russia. Saudi Arabia announced a plan to accept payment for oil in Chinese yuan instead of U.S. dollars. Saudi Arabia signed a $30 billion partnership agreement with China, benefiting Huawei and the Belt and Road Initiative. Saudi Arabia announced a plan to build a $12 billion Chinese oil refinery. They welcomed a Russian Russian military ship to dock in Saudi Arabia for the first time. They expressed interest in joining uh, the BRICS nations, so pretty much the breakaway um, breakaway uh, 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 system of uh, of currency, just trying to get away from the American dollar. Saudi Arabia's crown prince said he's no longer interested in pleasing the United States. Well, who would want to be? The U.S. foreign policy establishment bloodlust for regime change in Russia is uniting powerful forces against America. Yeah, it's a, a very good, very good 
amalgamation. Good stuff. A nice aggregator, Kanakoa is, aside from being a great writer himself. But then um, there's a lot more on that. That's why when people say, well, this this thing or that thing is a distraction. Oh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of things happening behind the scenes. You can say anything is a distraction from what's going on next to it. I tend to be more of a believer that there's a whole lot of shit happening at once. And it's very hard for people to split their attention. That's the real thing. Um, th- there's plenty of very detrimental ideas that are being floated and plans that are being pursued and executed right now. Uh, any any one of them could be lethal. Any one could ha- it could be like the rug getting pulled out from all uh, under us once and for all if they succeed. But there's 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 multiple things like that going on at the same time. So back to uh, Kunstler to end it because now he's moving into culture territory here at home. Where are we at? You get the picture, he says. Now how about the other war? Our what the hell's going on? My screen just flashed on me. Our government's war against us. What canny reporters, Taibbi and Schellenberger in particular, are calling the censorship industrial complex has been pretty well outed. Everybody knows that the FBI, CIA, DHS, and many other agencies via hijacked social media have worked tirelessly to confound and bamboozle the public debate about really everything that matters. The odd part is that roughly half of America doesn't seem to care. Of course, that is the name of half of the country that has fallen in love with surveillance, censorship, political persecutions, election monkey business, mandated mRNA shots, and other excursions into bad faith. Their auditors in this mainstream news media actually seem to relish their roles as enforcers of unreality. Wonderful thing. That's wonderful. The media partnered with brainwashed masses have become enforcers in this unreality. This degenerate wickedness has been escalating since one Donald Trump stepped on stage years ago. The Joe Biden regime affects to have trapped him uh, finally in the lair of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. Now the game gets interesting. Since the chances or the charges are the sheerest vapor, The actual aim of this prosecution, as Tom Luongo and Martin Armstrong put it, is to goad Mr. Trump into a civil contempt citation that will allow the New York authorities to lock him up. The judge in this case will impose a gag order on Mr. Trump speaking out about the proceedings against him, and when he opens his yap, as he is certain to, hopefully not, as Christian Hall was saying last night, they'll throw a net around him and drag him off to uh, to the who's go. And try to keep him there indefinitely as they kept the January 6th suspects in D.C. jail. That is, if Bragg operation in New York City can extract the former president from the state of Florida, which may not be so easy. Now that Governor DeSantis has indicated a a disinclination to allow it. As to the case itself, a judge may, with any self-respect, toss it in a pretrial hearing like a six-day dead carp at the slightest prompting by a defense attorney. Now, that's not going to happen, I don't think. But we did think about, we were bringing something else up here, too. And I, I, I wanted to bring this up only because he gets around into what is standing behind the New York thing. And what I discussed with Adel today on the 4 o'clock show was, number one, we got to figure out uh, just what they're going to try to do with all the, the whole Mar-a-Lago raid stuff with that 
Jack Smith guy or whatever his name is in D.C. The other thing is the very curious case of Georgia with that weird witchy-like chick who came out and she was so giddy about getting Trump for anything. Don't waste her time. We have to get him for something. We were wondering why the hell she could have gone out, been allowed to go out there and self-sabotage that way. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, I don't know. Obviously, they have contempt. They would love to see Trump dead, let alone tied up in court. But they love they love exhausting people and torturing people. I, th- I think that the the torture might actually be something that they they're just they're loving too much. And with that, maybe it's just about taking up months and months and months, just like with Russia, and then having another thing behind that in Georgia to take up months and months and months before getting thrown out for one thing or another. Something that disqualifies the cases without Trump being cleared. It has to be get him into a courtroom setting, have him thoroughly investigated, have the media pick apart his personal life, speculate and turn anybody. Like I said, you put yourself into Trump's position because it might as well be mirror images. This is well who they're willing to do to anybody. And just like with, with Russia, we got three years of nonsense. At the end of it, we had open-ended questions. Open-ended questions. And a lot of I don't knows. Because they did not want, there, there cannot be any exoneration. So if New York falls away, it'll be because of technicalities and because they made a flimsy case on purpose. If Georgia falls away after that, it's because they let this little mousy bitch go out onto every network that she can get booked. And she was booked on a handful of them to completely, if you, if I have to, and I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just like, does this not, does this not damage the legitimacy of the case? Is this not mistrial? Is this not prejudice? So I just would not be, be, uh, be surprised if every last one of these investigations are going to yield indictments and everything else and with that will come months of speculation and distraction and and whatever and pettiness and then along the way if they can get trump to perjure himself or if there could be some kind of a process crime like they did with uh, everything else during russia and shit like that that's all fine and dandy that's all fine and dandy we can get things along the way but uh ultimately it's going to just take up a lot of time, a lot of headline space, a lot of a man's life, and then it there, he won't even have the satisfaction of being exonerated at the end. It'll be technicalities. It'll be you know something else that just did not let them take the ball across the finish line. And that's it. I wouldn't be surprised because that's just what it's been so far. Now with the impeachment, it was something different. Because that is a self-contained mechanism right there where the House gets to use their simple majority to just impeach a guy and then they send it over to the Senate and the Senate tries. So it's it's all happening in-house, you know. Uh, This is a little bit different. This is just a, a tad bit different. So... I thought that was really interesting, and I think a a good little uh, checkup on the wars going on at home and abroad. Now, I'm going to go and take a really quick break, really quick break, and when we come back, I want to jump into the Little Mermaid first. 
That's the first thing, first and foremost. So don't go anywhere. Excuse me, ma'am. No porn at the bar. No. Oh, it's okay. I'm transgender. Oh, I, I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time. Now, you gotta understand something. If we leave the country, there's no coming back here. You know what I mean? There's no coming back. So that if there's anybody now that you want to talk to, you want to say goodbye to, do it now. Is there any special country you want to go to? Wyoming. No, Wyoming. That's not a country. That's all right. I, I'm going to take care of it. Quite frankly. Lulu had a baby. She named him Tiny Tim. She put him in the piss pot to teach him how to swim. He swam to the bottom. He swam to the top. Lulu got excited and pulled him by his cocktail ginger ale. Five cents a glass. If you don't like it, just shove it up your ass. Ask me no more questions. I'll tell you no more lies. A man got hit with a bag of shit, and that's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> to start waking up Aurora like this. I've been waiting a long time. I've got a little bit more time to wake her up like this, though, because she doesn't. She, she's up way before I am. Way before I am sometimes. And, uh, and that's just the thing. So I don't want to wake her up at this point. I wish she would sleep more or at least sleep later. But there's going to be a day when she's going to want to sleep in. And that's when I get to go, wake up a little soon, take out some Everly Brothers. I might actually just play this and blast it and walk in there and do a dance. She'll hate me. Anyway, well, that's that. I wanted to bring this up now. Listen to this. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Little Mermaid remake will have new woke lyrics for iconic songs like Kiss the Girl and Poor Unfortunate Souls. Now, I got to say, I love the song Kiss the Girl. It's a great song, and it, it must have been so fun to produce it in studio as well. And, you know, uh, Aurora has watched Little Mer. I showed her the original Little Mermaid, and she loved it. So, you know, I fast forward. She's never, uh, Aurora's actually never actually seen Poor Unfortunate Souls uh, sung by uh, Ursula yet, just because she's, you know, I leave out all the, the dark energy uh, villain stuff just for now so whenever it's beaches and sebastian the crab and all that stuff and she loves it and um and we have fun with that but i love the kiss the girl uh track the whole thing is awesome it's just a really well-made song let's see what else here um the little mermaid remake now in case anyone wasn't sure that disney live action little made uh, little mermaid remake would be a woke mess it has now been confirmed that two of the most iconic songs are being changed to be more politically correct oh yeah by the way ariel is black so if you didn't know 
I, I don't like, I, I, I will not be watching this. No interest whatsoever. But still, composer Alan Menken, who worked on the original film, this idiot, explained in a recent interview that the lyrics to Kiss the Girl and Poor Unfortunate Souls have been altered to be less offensive. I wanted to know what's offensive by Kiss the Girl. He says, there are some lyrical changes in Kiss the Girl because people have gotten very sensitive about the idea that Prince Eric would in any way force himself on Ariel. He was, be- he was dragging his feet. That's why all the fucking fish started singing so that maybe he would kiss her because she needed to be kissed before the goddamn sun went down the next day or else she, it was part of the plot. They were advancing the plot. It's so I, it, it's so crazy. Who was forcing anybody on anything? A, she loved him. That's why she wanted to go to the surface and be human. She loved him. She wanted to be kissed by him. And now contractually, she needed to be kissed or else she would have lost her voice forever. And that was it. She bartered her voice. Who is, oh my gosh, these poor people that live like this. These poor people. In the song, Sebastian, a cartoon crab, sings, Yes, you want her, look at her, you know you do. Possible she wants you to, there is one way to ask her. You know that song? Yes, Frank, I know. I've watched it a few more times in the last couple of months than I ever thought I would. Let me just put it you that way. It don't take a word, not a single word, go on and kiss the girl. What's wrong? That was not the only the only song that got progressive makeover. We have some revisions in Poor Unfortunate Soul regarding the lines that might make young girls feel, somehow feel that they shouldn't speak out of turn, even though Ursula is clearly manipulating Ariel to give up her voice. The lyrics Menken is referring to is likely the part where Ursula is trying to convince Ariel to give up her voice and sings, the men up there don't like a lot of blabber. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. Yes, on land, it's much preferred for ladies to not say a word. Now, that's the stuff I notice. That is the stuff that I notice in these things. Like uh, when when Ariel is um, singing about, you know, up there, I'm sure that uh, fathers don't reprimand their daughters. She's like, what? Yeah, no, yeah. Well, not anymore, if you look at the way society is. And it hasn't been for the better. But, um... So I, I notice things like that, and I, you know, I, 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 I've got ways to manage it and stuff, but still, uh, yeah, this is this is just horrendous, horrendous, just horrendous. It advances the plot. They're fun songs. I think they really are those songs. But then there's more. Then there's more. I gotta I gotta bring this up with you. And. Um, here it is. This is from Yahoo News. Can kids see Mrs. Doubtfire? Can they see it? What's what's the what's the case here being made? Before there was RuPaul's Drag Race and Drag Bunch and Winwood, there was Shakespeare 
Women were not allowed to perform on stage in England until 1660, which meant that men in wigs and dresses would depict female characters in Shakespeare's most iconic plays. In modern theaters, a strong tradition of drag on stage remains. Yeah, but there's, see, there's a difference. Right there, again, right there, and it's all intentionally obtuse. Men were not dressing in drag. It wasn't drag. It wasn't burlesque. Shakespeare, you're talking. I mean, it's one. Th- it's just. It's not the same. It's not the same. Not that I even give a shit about drag, about burlesque. It resides where it resides, and you have a choice to walk in or not. That's just what it is, and that's not what we're talking about. We'll get into it as time goes on, but this is just the way that you have to. Uh, you have to uh, uh, expect someone like Amanda Rosa at Yahoo News to write something like this. Uh, drag, particularly in the presence of children, is the latest target of, Go- of Governor Ron DeSantis' onslaught against what he calls woke ideology. Drag, particularly in the presence of children. Fringe adult sexual performances. Okay? I mean, you're you're not wa- you're not showing up, and you're it's not like you know you're watching people have sex on stage, but it is drag is very sexual. Who are we? Who's is anybody denying that? It's burlesque. You know, uh, I mean, that's just the whole thing, and 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 this is why another reason why I understand the word woke. I was I remember on the internet when woke was something that was uh, not that was used unironically. Get woke. I remember when it was actually fresh and people were using it in a way that actually um, meant that you were elevating your consciousness to a, a spot that you weren't at before, and now. And now, because the right is just so incredibly cringe in its own way with just taking a term or taking a joke and just wringing the fucking life out of it, but we're, we're using it like it's a scientific word. I understand it's, it's ironic. We're using it ironically now. But uh, I, I think it's starting to, once we give them a place to retreat to, it, it's very hard to even carry on any kind of public public uh, discourse and I, I guess that's the whole point there is no discourse anymore but woke is a term that is used ironically because it represents traditional things traditional bad things that the left especially compl- uh, claims to be hell-bent on eradicating you know woke is not some new found thing it's not you know you can't define it other than it being old-fashioned racism and sexism and compelled language and restricted expression and all of that stuff that's what it is it's just it's very recognizable things but you can't reinvent the wheel here because then you get amanda rosa at yahoo news and everybody else having a hard time making uh, us sound like we are uh, are nuts that we are inarticulate loons because we're just, uh, that's what it is here. Women were not allowed to perform on stage. They talk about how um, that there is a modern theater. There's a strong tradition of drag on stage. Edna Turnblad in Hairspray, Mrs. Trunchbull and Matilda to Angel in Rent. Well, I don't think a child goes, should, should be seeing Rent or Hairspray. Uh, 
I mean, it's, I mean the, uh, the, the on on stage or or kinky boots. I don't think a child should be going to that. Not that people should not be allowed to see it. I mean, what the fuck? C- can we have any moments to grow up? Can anybody just be left alone while they're growing up? Because it's not like being an adult is a cakewalk here. Can we can we allow them just some bubblegum simplicity just for a little bit? How about we just agree on that? Drag, particularly in the presence of children, is the latest target of the woke ideology, as he calls it, Governor DeSantis, as a state government reprimands businesses and venues that have hosted drag shows where children were present. No, it's worse than that. Hosted drag shows that were directed at children. South Florida performed. They, they, everything that they say reduces the severity. It makes it seem like the response is comical. And that's going to actually, in turn, it's going to actually uh, bring on a heavy-handed response that may not actually be warranted. But they like it. They like it. They know that the antagonism is actually going to create, eventually, the enemies that they have been promising people exist all around them. They haven't been created yet. They're working very hard on creating white supremacists right now. They're working very hard on creating white real ones. They're working very hard. Working very hard on creating bigots, people who are are no longer okay with people being gay, even in very modest private settings that aren't out there throwing themselves out there. They're working very hard on trying to create these kinds of witch hunts. They want there to be a genocide against trans people. I mean, that's that's not them actually warning that it's coming because it's coming. That's them actually trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. They want it to happen. Conservative politicians, increasingly inflammatory rhetoric and legislation targeting the LGBTQ community may have a chilling effect. Members of South Florida's theater scene question what the implications may be for performances that include LGBTQ characters, actors in drag, or themes that the state may find offensive. Well, but don't let children in. Drag artists wonder if venues that have hosted their shows in the past may now view them as a liability. And some worry that, uh, well, the liability thing, uh, you just don't know. Because again, this is where we're at. Um, we now now it's getting to the point where they are intentionally because they need their they don't actually want equity and they don't want equality they don't want peace and tranquility peace and tranquility people get along they talk to each other uh they're able to resolve problems peacefully and work out their differences they need there to constantly be an escalation in in intention the escalating tension method in the society is is key to this so the whole idea that they're, that drag shows, even if they aren't directed at children or marketed as all ages or, or family shows, I wouldn't be surprised if drag shows are starting to, go, to be looked at by venues who otherwise would not have a bar, wanted to have a drag night. It may be, maybe they don't want to do that anymore because it might be a little bit of a social liability. They may not want somebody who's seeing all this stuff and feeling antagonized by the way that it's being displayed, promoted, and then denied. And then all the responsibility thrown back on people who are, are 
are uh, criticizing it, they, they they may they may say, you know what, I, I don't want to I don't want to draw any any bad attention here, not this time, uh, fellas. Thank you so much. Whatever they don't want to have their place egged or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm looking at it both ways, and the tension was created by the people who are not even uh, responsible. They don't want to be responsible enough to talk about that there is a child element here that does not need to be there, that nobody's saying drag has to go away. You know, The Birdcage is one of my favorite films of all time, talking about Florida and drag shows. Not one child in frame in that, in that, uh, in that story. One of my favorite uh, uh, videos, films of all time, hilarious. It'll always be hilarious to me. That's one, that's one movie that has not changed for me over the years. I've, in fact, I've found it funnier and funnier. And I also really appreciate it because the, the, the tension that is created is, of course, societal tensions. You have ideologies. You have conservative uh, Senator uh, Gene Hackman. Uh, and you have, you have the, uh, the, the gay couple in Miami with the drag club. You have the, the daughter and the son who want to get married. But, of course, there's these two worlds that are colliding. And it creates a delightful sense of tension there. And all along the way, though, of course, it's going to the, the conclusion is going to be friendly toward everybody getting together. The children get married and people both sides, they kind of like learn a little something about each other. And there's some concessions there and there's peace and everything's all right. Nobody is really made to carry the cross and nobody is, you know, burned at the stake. Um, just like with that other movie that I love. My favorite movie of all time is uh, As Good As It Gets. That movie could not be made today. First of all, Greg Kinnear is a main character, plays a gay man, and he's straight. They wouldn't have allowed that. I don't think so. Hey, Birdcage, uh, uh, Hank Azaria as um, as uh, Spartacus, whatever. Uh, I mean, quite. can you imagine anybody but Hank Azaria in that role in Birdcage? Can you imagine anybody else being cast in that? That wouldn't be in 2023. And it wouldn't be funny. Partly because you know some of these people are not gay. And that's funny in itself, that they're acting gay. What does that mean? You know what it means. It's the reason why it's funny when you have three men and a baby trying to take care of a baby. It's not funny if you have three women trying to change a baby's diaper, because that's easy. It's like it's it's just instinctual for women to know how to tend to children and babies. It's funny when you take men into a situation that usually requires a woman's touch and ends up a lot better and it becomes a bumbling comedy. These are the things that got taken away because everybody needs to represent their 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 demographic. Every role needs to be represent it needs to be a representative of a foreign country. That's what it is like this 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 like a, another dimension has to be represented. Uh in, in uh, as good as it gets Jack Nicholson is a agoraphobic racist. Really really homophobic. Like he's actually homophobic. He's afraid he's afraid of people. Well, he's a germaphobe, agoraphobe, he's afraid of everything. But definitely just uh, everybody makes him uncomfortable. That movie couldn't be made today only because they would never allow uh, they would never allow Jack Nicholson to go so long 
with being a cringe yet comedic character. Yeah, he's insufferable in the movie, but they allow him time to actually grow as a person. And at the end, he's, he makes friends with people. He finds love. And, and, and nobody had to give up anything. And there was no moral of the story at, at the end. No, nobody was shamed through any kind of messaging, over-the-top messaging. I th- I, that's why I th- always think it's such a beautiful, uh, well-done film. And all these things would be killed. I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr. played a gay guy in there, too. He wouldn't have been cast. Oh, there's so much. There's so much that we lose with this shit. Anyway, at the end over here, at the end, they they start going on about uh, asking what else would be taken away, what will be impacted by this in Florida or anywhere else, because it's a nationwide, it's a a big war. And we're going to get into that right at the other end of this intermission, ladies and gentlemen. And um, I hate to do this, uh, the, the cliffhanger here. But uh, I'm going to be jumping off of YouTube, and I invite you everywhere but. We're going to be on Odyssey. We're going to be on Rumble. Theta, quite frankly, TV is our main home. It's about to get a big facelift. Twitch, you guys know it. DLive, Odyssey, Rockfin. Get on over there. We're getting off of YouTube, and we'll be right back to finish this up, talk a little bit more, and, and hand it over to you guys because I know that the conversation is going to be ripe. We'll be right back. Sorry, Franklies. The rest of the show is available at quitefrankly.tv. Quitefrankly.tv is the place to catch the latest episode, the latest blog entries, links to become a sponsor. If you want to buy a t-shirt or something, visit the merch store. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcasts. Now, head to quitefrankly.tv and we'll see you there. It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. 
So here's a little something for you for tonight. I just got a text message from Cody about what's going on on the website on quite frankly TV. The network after this show concludes said tonight Frank is throwback Thursday and we pay tribute to Rush Limbaugh that is to Rush Limbaugh that is. We have a couple of episodes of the 1990s Rush Limbaugh show with commercials and all. It's Throwback Thursday. I've never seen this. And then a vintage, quite frankly, episode from April 2019 when the Notre Dame Cathedral burned down. And then for the late night, the birdcage. Look at that. Look at them thinking on their feet. The birdcage for late night tonight. I don't know when that's going to start around because that's after three episodes of something else. So everybody in Central and, and Pacific time will probably have a lot easier time watching it. Unless you're a night owl like me, then it'll, uh, it'll, it'll get you. Might even replay that on Sunday night. No, no, Sunday, no, no, Sunday night. I forgot, Sunday's Easter. That's the last thing I should be doing. Whoops. My bad. I already said we already have Sunday night all, all worked out. It's going to be Ten Commandments first. And then I don't know. I always feel I want to play the passion of the Christ, but that uh, I feel like that's something you need to you need to ask somebody consent for. You know, it's just it's just too much for some people. I understand that, but we'll figure that out. Sunday's going to be a really good one. I like coming home and watching the stream myself. So, all right, that's all we have for you tonight. After the show on throwback thursday now let's get into this and then i'll go into your super chats and i will also take your calls here's the yahoo news how it continues whether desantis this now we're getting toward the end where um the author is really digging in her heels whether desantis likes it or not drag has cemented itself into mainstream pop culture and touring productions that feature drag are coming to South Florida. Pop icon Madonna, a vocal LGBTQ ally, is bringing her world tour to the Miami-Dade area in the arena with special guest RuPaul's Drag Race winner and comedian Bob the Drag Queen. Madonna recently announced the addition of more tour dates, including a stop in Tennessee to protest the state's drag ban. Uh, Jinx Monsoon, another drag race winner, Broadway actor is bringing her live music act to Coral Springs Center. What is her? Does that mean? Uh, I see. Is drag trans? Or are they just trying to play it safe? Let's see what else we have. Next spring, Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical, a musical based on the beloved Robin Williams comedy of the same name, comes to the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. In the show, a man character is uh, is is a father. The main character is a father who loses custody of his children and disguises himself in drag as a Scottish nanny to spend time with them. Yeah, but it's a lot worse. The production recommended for children eight years old and up, according to Broadway Across America. Now, they start talking about this and where else is going to happen? Are people going to be able to watch My Fair Lady and Kinky Boots and everything else? What are we going to be able to do? What can we get away with? I don't know, but I will tell you a few things about Mrs. Doubtfire. 
Um, well, I mean, if if she first of all from the the Yahoo article, if they were trying to make the point as to how infested theater and film and everything else in schools, where we see these these rainbow flag parades every day, it's not even Pride Month. These parades in school. Uh, if she's trying to make the point that there is a complete and utter infestation across cultural institutions and educational institutions, and the point point is taken, yeah, I, I don't know what how that justifies and explains the the nobility of it or the you know if, whether it's a responsible thing to be doing. But if the point was that hey we're already here and we control everything, I, I understand what you're saying. The issue is that there is a newfound intense public focus on introducing burlesque adult sexual entertainment drag to children there's a newfound focus on doing that to introducing it and to also normalizing children's interaction with it to try to take away the stigma that's that's the that's the real issue here and because it is popping up in schools and libraries and morning television and everywhere else what was always there probably is finally starting to become noticed and when you see the gusto with which it is being pushed and the audacity with which it is uh is being excused by certain groups especially the media then you can't that's something you can't unsee and you know what when 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 you're a hit when you're hit in the face with cold water like this it often can turn into a frantic craze you know, that's what that's when you have the pendulum striking back hard. That's like, uh, I, I don't know. That's when even those trying to correct the problem can go and may go too far sometimes. They become too puritanical in response because all of a sudden you, you, you see something and you realize how much you've been missing and all of a sudden it horrifies you. And when you're horrified and when you're mad, you're not thinking too clearly. So, yeah, they're trying to create tinderbox scenarios everywhere else. Now, we fell asleep at the wheel culturally a long time ago, and now we are frantically trying to course correct, jerking the wheel back into the middle lane. But that doesn't make for a smooth ride, of course. And that is what they're trying to capitalize on in the news. Everybody's reaction and trying to fix the problem and lay the groundwork down for future fixes. And then the opposite. Now, I also like Mrs. Doubtfire. But uh, no, Aurora will not be watching that for a while because uh, for as funny as it is, it's fucked up. And I have had very, very in-depth conversations with my buddies about hilarious conversations because the more we pick apart the movie, the funnier it gets of how, how, how absolutely batshit it is. Say, well, Frank, it's supposed to be an absurd comedy. <clears throat> it, it dances a very fine line. Dances a very fine line. There is such a thin line between the comedy that is Mrs. Doubtfire and a true horror show. It's truly horror. Okay. Now, first of all, I'm surprised that the article Yahoo News was not asking about whether or not Mrs. Doubtfire, the 1993 release, should be allowed to be seen by anybody in 2023 because of how, first of all, disgusted Sally Field is when one of the calls who ends up being Robert Robin Williams one of the calls calling her back to inquire about the nanny job is a, a transgender person 
saying, I, I don't work with the males because I used to be one. And she goes, ugh, ugh, freak. Well, she doesn't say freak, but she's disgusted. That's weird, right? Or when the two twin Asian boys saw Robin Williams changing into his bodysuit through the apartment window, and they went, oh, sick. That'd have to be cut out. I'm sure if Mrs. Doubtfire is being played on TBS sometime soon, they're going to cut out the Asian kids. They're going to cut out the Asian kids, no doubt about it. And not to mention that the real enablers of this entire horrendous deception, because that's what it was. Mrs. Doubtfire, you got to watch it again, and you are going to laugh your ass off. It's almost like me watching Karate Kid now. I'll talk, to, I'll, you know, I'll bring that back up. Great point. Good point, Frank. Good point. But the enablers of this horrendous deception was actually a pair of gay guys. Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. A pair of gay guys were the, were the greatest enablers of this whole thing. They were the only ones who knew about Robin Williams' plot to infiltrate the home with a disguise. And did they say no? Did they say, Daniel, Daniel. I know you're going to miss being around the children, but you have to respect Miranda's privacy. No, they said, fuck Miranda. Let's try on some wigs. That's, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's an issue. That's an issue. Aside from the fact that they are uh, not only enablers, but they're the only stable couple in the entire film. Everybody else is getting divorced and they, they can't see eye to eye and they're losers. So, um, they, they're, that's, that's, that's that. There's so many other things. Like when you think about what he did to the children in that movie alone, how wildly inappropriate it was to infiltrate a private home like that. And, 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 uh, and what was the youngest child? Five years old. She doesn't know that her father is masquerading around the house as this old lady that he changed the telephone number on the want ad that Sally Field put out there so that no one else was calling Sally except him then there he is doing all these voices all night prank phone calling her i'm surprised that she didn't know it was his voice after all those years of knowing he's an impersonator you know an impersonator really only has a couple of voices and they just repurpose them over and over again so and that was all to set her up for the final deception mrs doubtfire my gosh but he gets the job and there he is, he's cooking, he's cleaning, he's in the house every day, dressed as an old lady. And there's this very thin line between comedy and horror because of it. And he shows, and, and you know the other thing? He knows Pierce Brosnan, who is a good-looking, stable male figure that the children actually really need. He knows that Pierce Brosnan is allergic to pepper, and he goes and he tries to kill him at the restaurant by putting cayenne pepper in his jambalaya and then when he, he has to run across the, the room because he's choking Mrs. Doubtfire has to give him the Heimlich the mask starts coming off of his face and the little girl five years old sees that you don't understand what that means dad with the mask coming off the woman that she thought was a woman all these all this time was really her father in a, in a, in a disguise not in drag in a disguise that is lifetime of psychotherapy. Yeah, it might it happened to you when you were five. You're going to be seeing a therapist about it until you're 35. No doubt about it. And then the final shot of the film, 
you see him on TV, and I, that's why I made it the I made it the um, the thumbnail for tonight's show. You see Mrs. Doubtfire on TV. Doesn't look happy at all, and I think that this is why I was hilarious. We, we were we were laughing our asses off at this. Me and a few friends of mine. You're saying, why does he look so depressed at the end of the film? It's because he's trapped as this old lady. That's the, the, the fact that this is the high note of the film. He's got joint custody of the kids, but he's still single. And now he's got to dress like an old lady for the rest of his life on television. That's the high note. That's why it looks so, <laughs> that's why it looks so unhappy. But of course, you know, there's that. That's just, uh, that's just what it is. That's just what it, I mean, there's so many other things I can talk about with that film. We'll go on forever and ever. But here's the thing about about you, you at home now, because I want to know about you guys. Are there any movies that you've always liked for one reason or another that you can't see the same way now? You may still like it, but you're taking sides with somebody else. Perhaps you don't dislike them, but you are definitely rating it from a different scale. Or maybe you are reserving it only for certain company, adult company, and you're not as liberal with the way that you're, you know, you share it with your children or anything like that. Because I tell you, there's a lot of bad guys that I now think are, are are heroes. Pierce Brosnan, for example, he's set up to be an antagonist kind of figure in the movie. In 1993, when, I was, when we were watching Mrs. Doubtfire, I'm looking at Pierce Brosnan that's coming in that, you know, all I see is, okay, here are the three children, Here's the mom and the dad, and all of a sudden the mom is going to be with this new guy? That made me feel, you know, like, no, no, Pierce Brosnan, no, fuck this guy. This guy's got to go down. You know, as kids, we're watching that and we're, we're saying to ourselves, okay, well, yeah, I'm rooting for Robin Williams to rip the Mercedes hood ornament off of Pierce Brosnan's car in the movie and uh, thinking it's funny when he just assaults him at the pool by throwing a, a lime at his head when he's not looking. Limes are dense. All right? Dense. He, I, that's some serious shit right there. And meanwhile, Pierce Brosnan is the only stable male figure in the whole thing, and he and he he's a stand-up guy. He's not like uh, two-timing Sally Fields or anything like that. Uh, he's actually a, has genuine interest in Sally Fields. <laughs> And uh, and he loves the children, so um, and here we are. We're we're rooting for the crazy crossdresser, and he is nuts. He's nuts. So that's why I'm saying, does your perspective on any movies out there have they changed over the over the the years? My perspective on Karate Kid is completely changed forever. Daniel is the nuisance. Daniel, to me, is the antagonist. He's the antagonist, no doubt about it. Now, Johnny and Cobra Kai, they go a little bit too far. Kreese is just a, a messed up guy, probably a lot of PTSD, uh, and he's, uh, he, he's allowed it to manifest in very evil, aggressive ways, and he's abused children. I don't think Kreese is a good guy, but between Johnny and Daniel, I, I am, I'm a Johnny guy all the way through now, no doubt about it, and it's only been cemented since Cobra Kai came out. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. How has things changed for you with the movies? As far as films that you once loved and, uh, and your, your perspective on the plot and the characters and 
Has anything changed? I want to know that. So let me go into the Super Chats, and I'm going to put on the phone number, 914-595-6953. Start calling in. We're going to get to the Super Chats, and then we get on in. Remnant Farm says, Ciao, Frank. Mrs. Doubtfire always made me uncomfortable. Not sure why. Hey, when are you going over to uh, go over, going over the concert memoirs? Did I miss it? No, you did not miss it. That is going to, we're waiting for the, waiting for the, the, the weather outside to get a little bit warmer. I was hoping mid to late May, starting to sniff June a little bit, real outdoor concert weather, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and the other summer thread too. Yeah, Doubtfire did make, make you uncomfortable in, in certain cases. Oh, I have so. Oh my gosh, I have. Do I still have them here? I have voice notes from 2017 that I may have to show you guys. We have to go back in time a little bit. I'll do that toward the end. Uh, Mark Swan is in the chat room, ladies and gentlemen. Says, I just wanted to thank everyone for the well wishes. Everything is going really well so far. So this is Mark Swan's third day with a new kidney and he said that they were actually able to cancel an order for for dialysis today because the kidney's working and they got his potassium levels down these are all things i know about too i'm so happy it's working out for mark and good luck to him in his new life well maybe we'll get some more comments along the way kt sky d santa and rudolph's parents are total dicks in claymation rudolph uh good job that's another good one. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. Right on, Katie. But then again, that's pretty easy to 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 see. Rudolph's parents are are well, his mom ain't bad, but his his dad's a bitch, and Santa is a uh, a real a real uh, slave driver, isn't he? Very opportunistic man. All right, let's go. Take a call. Uh, Pat from Carolina. Pat, what's up with you? Hey, Frank. I tried to send you a, uh email, but I think uh, Google and Microsoft didn't like what I was sending. But, oh, shit. So I, thought, so I thought I'd go ahead and call you. But, uh, of course, I'm calling you from North Carolina, and the only, I don't have a movie that changed, but my, uh, I guess my perspective on uh, this whole situation as far as uh, drag queens and everything kind of changed because in our backyard or just down the road from me, we had uh, this past week where they had a drag queen show at a community college and invited a bunch of uh, middle school and high school kids. And there's a video out there of this drag queen male that is bumping and grinding on this 14-year-old girl putting his crotch in her face and all this other stuff. So it was shocking to me, you know, because I didn't understand how or why that would happen. And I guess I, I guess it's confusing for me because I don't understand how that's allowed to go on. I mean, when I was younger, I went to a couple of drag queen show, shows, and they, they are very talented, but it's very risque it's very sexually oriented and um it's something that i wouldn't want my kids attending and so that's the confusing part for me i don't understand why there there's all this push or where people think that it's okay for you know three three three-year-olds up to even 
16 year olds thinking that it's okay to go to these drag queen shows yeah you know, it's, uh, it's 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 an adult it's an adult night out pat i mean and that's just one of those things where it, it that was the understanding and there was no real thing about that that has that has changed or shifted for most people it was an adult night out it it, it was only you know you, you it's very easy to stay away from one of those places, but now because of this cultural confrontation that has been slowly um, brewed in front of our very eyes and used us as ingredients for it all, they are, they are I don't know, they're emboldening some to go out there and act completely inappropriately, th- to do and say things and to agree to things that they would have never under a more saner circumstances just because they want to be able to go and be a part of a uh, a crusading cause against a hated a political rival. So now they're actually finding themselves uh, encouraged to uh, to approve of things highly irresponsible actions revol- uh, evolving, uh, involving children when in actuality nobody nobody is asking for the burlesque art form that is drag to be taken away from any adult who wants to interact with it. Nobody's ever done that. So it's Yeah, a, and I don't understand I just don't understand why, you know, yeah, I don't care how anybody lives their life and if they want to do if they want to cross dress, if they want to be a drag queen or whatever however they want to live their lives and how, you know, and just you know, I don't go around parading that I'm a homosexual and that uh or that I'm a uh, straight man and that I like having sex with women and everything and you know, I don't care how anybody lives their lives and what they do. Just don't throw it in my face, you know. And I don't understand where all the anger comes from and why uh, why this became such a angry thing or a violent thing. And the question I have for you is wh- where does this phrase, the blood is on your hands, come from and where's the blood coming from? I, it, it's uh, listen. You, you're talking about theatrics. Thank you for the call, Pat. You're talking about theatrics. You're talking about very theatrical, dramatic people who uh, love the performance side of things as much as they want to be a part of a political revolution side of things. One that is is uh, is very lucrative in the way that it affords it affords social privileges, in the way that it affords you a, a chances to make money. I mean, even with these universal basic income programs that are being tested all over the place, you know, many of them that we have read about, all it requires is for you to say that you're transgender and they're going to find a way to get you a thousand dollars a month in a place like San Francisco or something. There is a lot of opportunity for people who really just want to slink back into some kind of fantasy world in which there is no, no end, no end to the supply of possibilities to, to, to create some purpose for your life in which there is none. That you can't tell me that this is a purpose. Now, being a performer is a purpose, but you know somebody, somebody who is just obsesses over being a transgender person or, or changing their appearance and, and with, the, with the surface, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things going on there. And it's making everybody act poorly. 
even those who are acting righteously and know that there's something that needs to be stopped and corrected right now, uh, there's many people who will, in, in a very emotional situation, fly off the handle. The problem is that when a protester against a drag show with children flies off the handle and does something rash, or somebody who is performing at the drag show does something rash by rubbing their genitals in a minor's face, there is only one instance that is going to get news coverage. And it's all, and the coverage is only going to get in, uh, covered in one way. So, everybody's be is is being encouraged to act their as their worst self, because it's very easy to cherry pick what is going to get the coverage, once to get something that is workable on tape. Nine one four five nine five six nine five three. What is it? Let's see. Six one six. You're on the air. Do you got any any movie changes for me? Yeah, Frank. It's Casey. How you doing? Hey, Casey. What's good? Oh, nothing. I do have a movie for you. Okay. And uh, it's Home Alone. I know I'm going to catch some shit for that. Ooh. But I watched it with my son. Uh, I mean, we keep it to like just being a Christmas movie now. Uh-huh. But there was a point in time when my son was about four where that was like his favorite shit and he wanted to watch it over and over again and then he started acting a fool and i was like um okay so i sat and watched the movie with him again and i was like this little kid's an asshole so he talks back to his parents and he's a little shit and then the parents are terrible too i mean really it's like an <laughs> everybody's the asshole kind of story you yeah. know, where i'm just like i don't even understand how that happens but, uh, yeah, yeah, Home Alone's one that's just a Christmas movie now. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know what? That's that's a very interesting one because I talk about Home Alone a lot, too. I, that's another movie that I love. Now, I understand. I can understand why uh, w- w- having a family like Kevin does, I understand why he's salty about the situation. I mean, he's t- c- totally overlooked. Yes, the, the, the parents are aloof, and they, I mean, they, they should have been arrested after, I, I don't know, especially after the second time. Jeez. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on there for sure. There's a lot going on there for sure. But I do not I do not blame Kevin in his angst having a family like he does because the the chips are really staffed not. against him. Oh yeah, Every, everybody in that all the adults in that family are just shitheads in my <laughs> in my opinion, all of them. But but Casey, you have to but. admit the end when the mom does when when she does everything literally everything to get home when she realizes what she did that christmas morning is a pretty special scene though yeah it's a pretty special scene she shouldn't have been turning her nose up at john john candy and his uh what, what was the polka band the name? polka band I, she I, was all I, shitty about having to ride with the polka band right you gotta do it though <laughs> and she did yep yep thanks for the yeah, call definitely. casey yes sir have a good night there you go i got casey finally got casey stored in the in the phone over here yeah Home Alone's a good one. The next door neighbor, the 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 perspective on the next door neighbor, him talking. I think that over the years, the, here's the things that you notice differently. Over the years, the conversation between Kevin and his next door neighbor, the old man who's been estranged from his son and his granddaughter, their talk together in the church, the night of the big operation, that that has become more and more of my favorite scene in the whole thing very calming and then and then as i said before even with things like the christmas story 
my favorite scene of the whole movie now is the end when the mother and the father are having a drink with the snow falling, listening to um, Silent Night. It, those are the things that, that change. And who, you know, there's other things. There's other people in there, too, you understand. You even understand the, the, the pathetic nature of the bullies a little bit more. When you're watching something like uh, uh, Christmas Story, as a child, the bullies are just like junkyard dogs. And whole, oh, my gosh. And then when you start learning a little bit more about what makes a person like that, you almost pity them a little bit more. And, yeah, there's always a time to fight, but... You almost pity them. And sometimes the pity is enough to walk away from most things to say, whatever. And those are, those are the lessons. Let's see what we got else over here. Chris from the Berkshires, what do you have for me? Hey, Frank, what's going on? You sound like a million miles away. Oh, sorry, I'll pull you closer. I got you. I had, how's that? Is that better? Yeah, am I on speakerphone? Not anymore. You oh. were across the room. I came running over. There you go. So, I apologize. Awesome show, great topic, and I'm gonna. I, I hate to do this because you were talking about the movie earlier, but my movie is is, is the Little Mermaid. And, and the second you said it, that was the first one that came into my head. And and I'm you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to point it out. This stuck up bitch has everything that she could ever ask for. She has a mansion. She has anything that her parents want. You know, she gets and anything she's ever asked for. She's got some Rastafarian crab who's going to take care of her as as far as she can go in high school. Probably get her the best of the best, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. When you get into high school, he's going to be getting her the good stuff. And all she wants to do is leave her family and go run off with some dude who she just happenly just runs into while she's sunning herself on a rock. And she's willing to leave it all behind and throw everything away to the point where, as you said, she'd, she'd sacrifice her voice. Where when I was 12 years old, I would have done anything to marry Jennifer Lopez. I would have sold my testicles to do it. And that's probably not the best move looking back at it now. So she's just stuck up the entire time. And she's completely just willing to throw away her entire life away. And everything that is, is basically afforded to her through her parents, you know, fortune and hard work. So that's, that's my beef with the whole Little Mermaid movie. Okay. And I apologize for ruining it for Aurora. Oh, you know, listen, you haven't ruined it for her. That, 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 first of all, she's not, she's not watching, <laughs> and she doesn't understand anyway, and, and she'll still uh, enjoy pieces of it however she can. But great, great points. And me, under, the, under the Sea is a great, it's a great tune. I'll, I'll you know. I, I think tune. my favorite is Kiss the Girl because it, it's just so groovy. It's it's really great. <laughs> and, and, and like I it said. It gets the people going. Oh, it gets the people going, and, and thanks for the call, Chris. It really advances the plot. It's a very it advances the plot. The mo the song advances the plot beautifully, because she's racing against the clock. Now I don't know if she's stuck up. She's definitely rebellious. She doesn't fall fall in line with the other her other six sisters, but you know these old pieces of folklore. Usually the conclusion was you know you went against the the advice of your father, and now you're going to pay the consequences. It tells you a little bit more about, you know, respecting the, the your elders and stuff like that. But her curiosity about humanity, I don't I can't blame her for being curious about humanity. I think that we are I think that we're wonderful. I really do. I think we've been we've been debased quite a bit and we're very um, impressionable. But uh, she was very smitten with humanity and then she found a human 
that she really, really loved. And she was able to risk it. She, she, she went out there and she risked it, hoping that the reward would be greater than the risk. And I guess it turned out all right. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think she was a stuck-up bitch. I think she was just young and idealistic, and she almost got herself into a lot of trouble. But when she needed it, Daddy and Prince Eric was there for her. So, all right, let's take another call. Abraham in SoCal. What's going on, Abraham? Not much. Um, everything with this the trans, whole transgender movement, community, whatever you want to call it, and how it's just being pushed on children and just in everybody's face nowadays is just... I don't know. It's kind of, I don't I want to say asinine. Well, is there anything you, anything, uh, uh, anything in particular you wanted to say about either, uh, performance art or, um, I don't know. I, because, because we got, we got all that and I don't, I, you don't need to go and rack your brain to rehash, <laughs> to rehash, uh, you know, the whole situation there, but still. So I've been to, um, I guess you'd call it a, burlesque show or something like that where there's dudes dressed up as women it wasn't my really my choice to go i was kind of dragged into going and just something about it was just made me sick to my stomach i'm going okay these are obviously dudes like i don't know very many chicks that are built six plus well and with shoulders it's just something to you're you're not going to go you're i mean obviously there's some drag queens who are who are, uh, I mean, I don't know. The, the makeup is so clownish. It, the, everything seems to be a caricature there. So to go to a drag club and to be, to be you know, waiting to, to find somebody who's passable is just something that you're not going to be, you're not going to find. It, like I said, it's an it's a adult circus environment burlesque show. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I think I was, I want to say I was 25 or 26 when that happened, but it was, I was an adult and it was a choice and I knew that's what I was going and that's what was going to be there. Right. Um, but for that to be put on at a school or something like that, I'm like, these are children. They don't need to be exposed to something that is an adult thing. That is something that mature adults do. And what anybody does in their own bedroom, that is their choice. I don't have anything against them for that. But have it being so... Got it. You know, pushed in your face. Understood. Is I think it's crossing the line. No, I I, I understood. But, but uh, again, and thank you for the call, Abraham. There's a uh, there's something being. This is a plan. This is a plan. It's very compartmentalized. Everybody's playing a role, but there. This is a plan. This is a uh, a shift. This is a planned cultural shift, one that usually ushers in a the slow decline and erasure of any one nation or state over time. It's just part of it. So uh, that's why you know you can be very practical in the way that we push back against it. But it, it, it there's there's going to be fierce fighting in the opposite direction because it's necessary part of their plan. Let me get to some super chats over here. Uh, AK, remember the movie Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield? Yes, I do. And I have been meaning to watch it again because I haven't seen it. We used to watch it quite a bit. It was on pay-per-view. We used to watch it quite a bit. 
Hey Siri, when did Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield come out? 94. Here's an answer from Wikipedia. 92. So I was in probably third, fourth grade when this stuff was on television. And I remember, I, I, I mean, I don't, I couldn't have really conceived of all of the jokes, especially the sexual innuendos and all that stuff. All I thought was, okay, Jonathan Brandis, he, uh, he play, he's a really good soccer player, and this girl's soccer team sucks. And uh, Rodney Dangerfield wants to have a uh, some kind of a ringer come in and help help uh, win some games. And so let's just put a wig on this this boy. And and that was kind of fun for me because I was just like, oh wow, you know he's you know that that because to me I wasn't even thinking of him taking on a girl's identity. I was thinking about him being able to show off in front of all those girls. I remember the things I was feeling back. I was like, damn, he's really good. You know, whenever they, uh, whenever he reveals himself, he's probably going to be able to have any any of them as a girlfriend. They're probably going to be like, "Wow, be be my boyfriend." So all the sexual innuendos going right over my head. But I just reminded myself of how, you know, this is Rodney Dangerfield, so it's not going to be a clean movie. So I and I got to go back and watch that again because God knows. AK says, looking at it from today's perspective, we see a boy cross-dressing as a girl playing on a girl's soccer team. He's getting boners changing around his crush at the pool party. By the way, rest in peace, Jonathan Brandis. I don't, I didn't re- even remember the boner thing because I probably wouldn't even be able to conceive of what was happening to him. What do you, I don't even remember that. I do remember a very awkward changing room scene, though. I do remember that. Um... Let's see here. Let's go over to Rumble. We got a couple of Rumble rants. Uh, Peppy Payne says RFK Jr. either wins or Leach's Democrat votes will use the Vax as a platform and will wake up the hard D's to the scam. Fauci files will drop, validate the Fauci files drop, validates the Don, and he takes back over. Now that sounds like a storybook ending right there. Mark it down. That's from Pepe Payne. Thank you so much, Pepe. All right. Uh, Mad Potter says, it's much easier to warp children, making them mentally ill. Adults are easier to control. Yeah, the mentally ill adults easier to control. Yes. Tropical Rocket says, not to blackpill, but just watched Soundgarden show from 1992 with extended shots of the crowd. Wow, what a different time. It's not a blackpill. It has totally changed. The music scene has changed. The mu- uh, the the sound. I mean, you just think about what is impossible to do in uh, with mass gatherings of people now. I mean, in 1992, do you guys remember what Times Square and in New York City looked like on on a uh, on a New Year's Eve? Now they got you off blocked off in little 12 by 12 squares. Uh, I mean, that used to be a roving mass of people. It's it's just impossible now. There's so much, so much done. All right, let's see. Um, Jesse, Jesse says, hey, and we're taking more calls. Call on in. Let's do let's do a call with Hillbilly Jimmy. What's going on, Hillbilly? Hey, hey, Frank. I love your show, man. Thank you. I got 
You know that movie with the why the Shamalama Ding Dong guys uh, knock at the cabin? Shamalama Ding Dong? Knock at the door. I don't know. Knock at the door is brand new. Sham something. Oh, oh, oh. M-, M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? And that knock at the door. I never see. I haven't seen it. Okay, it's a brand new movie, and it's uh, it's on I think uh, Netflix or something. And it's a, the whole thing is the guys, four people come to the house, and they say they got these family has to sacrifice somebody to save the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you if you watch the movie, well, when they go to the house, it's two guys and a girl, a little girl, their husbands. And they have their little girl, and they're living at this cabin. And it is, it, and I only watched it. My wife talked me into watching it. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy!" The whole thing is is just the two gay guys and their and their daughter, and these three people are trying to get, or four people are trying to get them to make a sacrifice to save the world. And they're showing them proof and stuff on TV. Right. Yeah, you know, I understand and, the situation you're in with this, something like that. I, I, I don't want to yeah. see it. I don't want to see it either. You know, because no. and, and again, it's uh, it's not references to gay characters or anything like that. That I don't care. Right. I don't care about that. Um, but you know, it's like I say with so many other things. You know why it's being done now, and yeah, uh, they're go. You know when somebody is going out of their way to really just to really just press and squeeze something in there right every you know every every My, tide I, go ahead uh, the the main thing i took away from that story from that movie was how selfish they were <laughs> it always hits in a different way it always hits different than they expect yeah. sometimes well i mean always or sometimes yeah usually does for me hillbilly thank you so much for the calls good to hear from all you. right thanks a lot you got it yeah it always hits different for me, at least, I'm. Uh, I think a lot more times than not lately. I've been in a room watching something with a bunch of people, and I just know that I'm on completely different pages than them about what's being perceived. And um, yeah, interesting things. All right, let me go to the super chats again, or else I'm going to get buried in these. Thank you, Jesse. This is over on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. Thank you, Witchy Poo, Sean Joe, Paulie9363. Uh, let's see, a little bit more. Uh, Emerilio, oh, Emmerflow, says, Sha-la-la-la, you've got to kiss the girl. The trans, you got to kiss the trans. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be thinking about that the next time uh, it goes on. Swickly, again, says, getting more and more difficult to pray for these people. Emmerflow says, good points made all night long. Love the show. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're hanging out. Thank you, Stone Roller. 123SKG says, Tootsie, having to impersonate a woman to be successful. Dustin Hoffman had style. Yes, and I had this conversation with a buddy of mine today, too. With Tootsie, there was a, there was a mission for Dustin Hoffman. There was a mission there. To, to show how good of an actor he was, he could portray a woman. It wasn't, uh, you know, and, and, and once he proved his point, 
he was out. It wasn't a lifestyle thing. He didn't become trapped in the persona like Robin Williams does in, in Mrs. Doubtfire. There's a little bit more, there's a little bit, you know, there, there's a balance to those, those approaches there. Um, I, I love the, just the, the idea that Rob, that, uh, the Daniel character in Mrs. Doubtfire is just now trapped as the old woman every day. Let's see here. Witchy Poo says, get well soon, Mark. And what do you in the uh, what you do in the bedroom shouldn't be taught in the classroom? Yeah, well, I, and I understand the sentiment. I know that it's just a, I mean, because that's that's for anything. That doesn't mean it's not just uh, uh, gay sexual activity. But I, you know, I outside of knowing how your reproductive organs function, there is no reason for heterosexual. Uh, sexual activity to be really hotly debated inside of schools. There's no reason for it. I mean, there is a biological function to it all, but there's no reason why you should be going through style and uh, and performance. And, um, you know, I, I just, I don't understand that at all. You have your groups of friends for that. Everybody talks that's just something that you talk about outside of school anyway. The fact that those conversations are being facilitated and led in the school and more and more encouraged in many ways, uh, is that's concerning. That's ridiculous. And we know the kind of things that are going on in other places too. We won't uh, get to that or else we go off on another tangent for another show. Thank you, Witchy Poo, again. Thank you so much. Willie Fix It. He says, hey, Frank, wish we, uh, wish we luck. Wish me luck? Oh, I wish you luck. I just washed a lady's feet. See you tomorrow. I think I'm carrying a weight. I'll be okay. Hey, Frank, wish me luck. I just washed a lady's feet. See you tomorrow. Question mark. Think I'm carring a weight. I'll be okay. I hope you're not driving, Willie. That's the I, I really hope you're not driving tonight. But let's take some calls. Some more calls. Sentinel Theta. What's going on, Sentinel? Hey, how's it going, Frank? It's going. It's going. What's on your mind? A great show night. Great topic. Very timely. Um, I'm sitting here uh, with Molly, and uh, we're hanging out on Theta, chatting with the folks. And this whole topic made me think of, wow, could they? How different would the Rocky Horror Picture Show be if they made it today? Oh, no, I don't know. I, I think it might be over the more, even more over the top. But you but, know, you know the whole situation. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You you keep going because I have, I have more. On this, I think I okay. have some. Awesome. So, you know, you think about the situation. Brad and Janet end up stranded, and they show up at this freak's house, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're soaking wet. They ain't got nothing, and they're exposed to something totally contrary to everything that's in their uh, basic beliefs, attitudes, and values about life and sexuality. And before it's over, they both get sucked in. And we're talking about two hours. They're sucked into the whole whatever everything comes and goes. Being with the tranny 
uh, he's jealous of Janet because he made Atlas, and Atlas wants her over him, so he kills him. It's just, it's just weird. And then, you know, we get great music from Meatloaf. I mean, it's a whole great time. And then all these people become cult classic followers and go to the show every week and throw rice at the wedding. It's, it's just really weird. It's, it's been in the culture for 40 years, and now it's busted out saying we are normal. And now, now what are we going to do? I, well, I don't know. I guess that's the whole. I guess that's the whole question right there. Is that the places you used to go to? And thank you for the call. The places that you used to go to for some harmless fun, and if you are an adult who can pay their way into a nightclub for an evening, and you want to go out with your friends, and and uh, whether it's a bachelor party, it's a you know whatever, it's tongue in cheek, whatever the hell's going on there. It's uh, it really is just harmless fun, but just like with Saturday Night Live and Weekend Update and things like that, to do fake news or to do comedy based on cultural things that are going on when everything around us is so unserious and it has gone so far into the realm of parody, parody being that unreality that 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 this thing that we're living through right now. That we're contending with um when you when you live in that day in day out then it's very hard to find anything to make contrast with you know whereas rocky horror picture show is comedic and gets people all riled up and stuff it wasn't like a it wasn't a a, a you go girl political statement yeah you know whatever that gets everybody wanting to go out there it, it, it wasn't like yeah we're fighting. I don't I don't even know. I mean obviously it's before my time, but I know it well. Just everything is such a morphed version of girl power that you go girl kind of shit, like a damn girl moment. Like oh yeah they just went there. There's nothing that's being thrown in your face. Like go ahead deal with it bigot. That is what is just built into everything now. Deal with it bigot. Yeah, I know you're out there, but I'm doing it anyway. You know, you know that kind of it's baked into everything. You say, Frank, well, that's just you projecting. I don't think so because I really don't want to go looking for this stuff. There's just everything produced by this environment is just tainted, just like affirmative action taints people's accomplishments, especially now. Things like you, you always wonder if it was legitimately achieved. It's just the same thing. Um, anyway, all right, let's take some calls. Again, 914-595-6953. We're coming up on the end here now. 720, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, hi, Frank. Um, yeah, I have something that's kind of along the lines of uh, could this movie have been made today? Um, about 15 years ago, I went and uh, I bought the DVD to the movie Spinal Tap. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I specifically looked for, uh, to see if it was printed on there, I looked for the words edited for content, and I did not see that. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to get this this movie, you know, that, that I had seen years ago. Um, um, but it was changed. They had dropped the song, uh, Bitch School. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Yeah. And that, it kind of like ruined the movie for me because that was like the, one of the high points of the movie. So 
I, I took it back to Best Buy, and they wouldn't let me return it, probably because they thought I had pirated it or something. Oh, well, I, hey, I, it's one of those things. I don't know. Maybe maybe their return policy is their return policy. But I was, I know that with Disney across the board, when I had Disney+, Plus, I noticed all the disclaimers that was going on to everything where there are backwards cultural depictions of this and that, whatever, whatever. Um, uh, Peter Pan, 1953, 1954, is, even that was like, whoa. You know, what with the Indians, what makes the red man red, all those. uh, Oh, yeah. There's a a lot in there that, you know, we didn't think anything of it. But living, living in where we live now, we become so conscious of it. And it's being, and that you know, it hasn't really changed my opinion one way or another whether or not it offends me. It doesn't, but I know now that this is what other people have become more and more so hyperfixated on. So it just creates a, a gorilla in the room, no matter what. And mm-hmm. and that's the, I guess that's the whole point that there's always a shadow hanging over every go- former good time. Thank you for the call, my friend. Yep. Thanks. All right, brother. There you go. Uh, let's see. Got through Willie Fix It. Did AK. All right. All right. Let me see. I know we, we jumped on to Rockfin a little bit late. I didn't even see that it was out. Hello to everybody on Theta. We just spoke to Sentinel, who's hanging out on Theta. Got great crowds all over, and I really appreciate the time here. Uh, we will do one more call, and then that is it for the evening. Let us see. Who is the winner? 919 is the li- winner. What's going on, 919? You're on the air. Oh, hi there, Frank. It's so great to talk to you. I've been a listener for several years, but my first time calling in. Oh, it's great to have you on. What's your name? <laughs> I'm Dana from North Carolina. Dana, you sound very pleasant. I'm happy that you made it through. Well, so I have one that, I don't know, may not be very popular, but has really rubbed me the wrong way lately when I've watched it, and that's Maria from The Sound of Music. Uh, oh, so wait, I used to be. A- <laughs> wait, wait the the entire the entire um, play the, the entire movie. Well, just her, mostly her character and how I I used to root for her, and now I I completely root for the Baroness, the beautiful Baroness that's with the the dad. Oh, well, hey. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Yeah, tell me. That's I, mean, I was waiting for so, that. So, okay, so she's supposed to be the, the heroine and, and is great for the dad and great for the children, but I've, I've become very suspect. Like, her short hair is very not feminine. She's very disobedient to her abbess. Like, she's supposed to be helping her sisters when she's in the, 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 the convent, but she's out, like, frolicking. She gets in, she kind of encourages the kids to be disrespectful and disobedient to their dad. She dresses them in atrocious, ugly clothes. And here I'm thinking they've got this beautiful baroness who respects the father, loves him, could have positioned, you know, could have taught them how to be sophisticated and positioned in society. I just, I'm, now I'm just repulsed. I think I don't, I'm not a fan of Maria. See, that is the kind of thing that I'm talking about where back in the day, any movie, and it would be different for everybody, which is why I wanted to keep the lines open for as long as we did this uh, uh, tonight. 
for most people out there, there are things that we watch when we were younger that we really almost appreciate those little rebels that help you, that, that give you the nudge that you need to be, uh, you know, a rebel to, to, to do something to, to kind of like buck the system a little bit there. And then all of a sudden you start realizing as you, you get older, sometimes your opinions change and that the, the better, more stable and, uh, and prosperous life uh, really was disrupted by this person that we once thought was a, a protagonist or a real strength to the other characters. But really, they kind of weakened relations at home and they, they sowed a lot of discord among a lot of the main characters and it didn't have to be that way. I also think it's a foretaste um, to what changed with with sisters in in the religious life. Like they used to be considered very beautiful, very feminine when they wore their their habits and their wimples and all that stuff. And now it's what you see. You see very lesbian, very masculine, not feminine nuns or quote nuns in the church, like contemporary church and i think it was a foretaste to that too you know you know dana i it's and i know that this is this is uh it's just something else altogether but thank you for the call it's great to hear from you i um i gotta wrap up right now but i always thought now i was taught by salesian sisters since i was five years old from five until grade eight had, we were there with Salesian sisters, no priests. We had the Salesian priests, though, for you know, in mass and everything, and the rectory was right, right next door and stuff. But um, several of our teachers were Salesian sisters, and I mean, they, they're, I mean, they're always very nice. So there's, there's one or two that's very cold to me, which uh, I never got my closure, but my 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 venom-tongued closure. I just wasn't quick enough. I didn't have the balls back then. But but others, very, very nice. Very nice. Though, no supermodels. I always noticed that. No supermodels here. And I wondered, because I remember that too. I know, I know that there's very beautiful sisters, and I'm sure that there are very beautiful sisters out there too who have chosen religious life, vows of chastity, given their lives to Jesus, uh, and I know it was probably a, a lot more prominent back in the day when that was a very seriously considered vocation in life, a lot more than it is now. I just wonder if a girl, a modern girl, who may have uh, a a good amount of faith, an unbreakable faith even, and has has thought about going into uh, going to the the convent there. But looked in the mirror and said, "I'm too good looking. I I need to I need to get myself a man and and have some babies and all that good stuff." I wonder. I always wondered. It's like, did you know when you're when you're a kid, you look around and you start you start realizing that some of your some of your teachers are actually kind of cute, and you just never have ever seen a hot nun before, and you wonder to yourself in your in your young your young state is this just where all the not so attractive women go i i i was a child of course there's some hot nuns out there and how dare me for even saying that but you know don't tell me you haven't thought about it 
Anyway, that's all I have for you tonight. Thank you so much for everything. You guys have been a wonderful crowd, as always. As always, I got a, uh, a last-minute super chat from Stowe Stoops. It's good Thursday, Frank and Franklies. Thank you. It's great having you all along for the ride. You've been wonderful, and that's it. Now, I leave you. Thank you, Pod Hermit on QuiteFrankly.tv, the gold pills. I leave you in the hands of our wonderful network crew. You're going to get throwbacks to Rush Limbaugh television shows. You're going to get a 2019, quite frankly, from the day that uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral burned down. And you are going to get, I think, for the late night, Birdcage. I'll make sure I tweet all that stuff out as it happens on the Quite Frankly Network Twitter and also on the Quite Frankly Telegram and in the Gilded. Get into the Gilded. I want to break a 1,000 Gilded members. We need a couple hundred more before we get there. The link for the invite to the Gilded is in the description of this episode or it's on the About section on QuiteFrankly.tv. We'd love to have more of you old Discorders over there would be wonderful to have you along thank you guys and gals for everything tomorrow is another night we're closing out the week holy week that's all for me good night i'll catch you on the flip side quite frankly his film before a live studio audience and now our super chatters Starting with our wonderful friends over on Rockfin. Uh, thank you so much to my friends on Rumble. And also to AK, to KT Sky D, to Mark Swan, Remnant Farm, Stowe Stube, and Savage Sock Puppet. Is this all from tonight? Where is this all from? Mark Swan. Oh, man, I'm, all, I'm so confused right now. Thank you, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Go to quitefrankly.tv, and I'll be in that chat room before you know it.